0: Hi, Kiki.
1: Okay. (laughs) I just figured we needed a little bit more power for the podcast. (laughs)
0: Uh, Okay. (laughs) But before we get to that, we need to talk about Bruno one more time. Last week we said that we don't talk about Bruno reached number uh 2 on the US uh, music charts it has since reached number 1 Yeah we're uh we're definitely
1: talking about Bruno
0: Yep uh tying it with a whole new world from Aladdin as the highest charting Disney song of all time which uh i've gone online and a lot of people are uh upset mostly because they did not realize that let it go was never a number one song well i
1: guess you should have bought more copies of that song if you wanted it to be number one i don't know why, be, why, why are you getting mad it's like it's <laughs> seems a ridiculous thing to get mad about
0: eh, people will get mad over the strangest things <sighs> But yeah, we don't talk about Bruno, The this now a number one hit song. Um, a lot of people have also said, you know, oh, it should be up for the best original song award at the Oscars. And that's not going to happen because Disney never submitted that song to be in contention for the Oscars because the deadline was before the movie came out. So... uh They had no idea that this song was going to be the hit it was.
1: Which makes me think that nobody at Disney ever listened to this song. Here's the thing I found out since we last recorded. Lemuel Miranda had to have a um, NDA for toddlers talk with his children about this song. Hmm, This song was so catchy. That everyone in his family was singing this song. Apparently, like his in-laws were staying with him at some point while he was writing this song, and his like father-in-law or something was singing the song, Ooh. and was hearing it like through the walls. It was like that that Bruno song you keep you keep plunking away at on the piano. That that is a catchy song i keep singing that in my sleep (laughs) that is that is gonna that is gonna stick in people's heads and apparently it stuck in his children's head so much that they were singing it all around the house and when they went back to school he had to pull them aside and be like you cannot sing that anywhere outside the house and he had to explain it to them like other people don't know this song yet and it would be like rude and you can't teach them this song and i don't know exactly how he explained it to them but he sort of had to to kind of explain a non-disclosure agreement but on a little kid level to them because they would not stop singing it it was that catchy so the fact that nobody at disney figured out that this was going to be the earth crushing song it became made me think that nobody at disney actually listened to any of these songs because the second i heard this song i was like oh this is going to be the thing that parents are going to be tortured with for months. Yeah, I, I, I mean the first yeah. time you heard this song you immediately knew, right?
0: Oh yeah, they like, oh, go, this is catchy. This is you know, it's Th- this
1: this is the thing that's going to be everywhere. Yeah. So if if this if if nobody at Disney picked up on this, then Fire all the people in that chain of command at Disney And replace them with anybody else Because I think everyone else who saw this movie Immediately picked up on that Because it was the same thing when I heard Let It Go They they put that up on YouTube Before I got to see Frozen mm-hmm. And it was just one of those things that came across my feed It was like, hey, Idina Menzel's got a song in." the the new disney movie and i was like oh i like it, Dina menzel i like disney i will give this a watch and i heard that song and i immediately screamed out like come listen to this song and i immediately was like this is going to be the next big thing you are going to be this this is going to torture every waking moment of your life for the next and and that was what it was
0: and it did It was everywhere. It
1: It was everywhere. But let's say I had I had one listen through of that song and immediately I was grabbing people and going like, (laughs) you've got to listen to this song. But also, you're never going to not be able to listen to this song. This song is going to be everywhere within 48 hours.
0: This becomes uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's first ever number one song
1: yeah and and deservingly so I'm not that he did not write other songs that were absolutely amazing but uh this this is the one that will not leave me alone
0: so yeah, the earwormiest of earworms
1: yeah well although although the last few the last few days for me it has been overtaken by surface pressure, not gonna mm. lie. Mm. So, you know, we we might get another couple of weeks of Bruno, and then Surface Pressure might just slowly claw its way up that chart.
0: I don't know. We shall see. Uh, let's move on to our main feature of the week. Monsters Incorporated. Uh, we haven't done a Pixar movie in a while, so it's good to go back to that. And uh as you said last week, this is a first time watch for you
1: yeah um i I knew the broad strokes of the story. Mm-hmm. I had kind of had everything spoiled for me over the years. Mm-hmm. um so it wasn't like there were any major surprises plot wise for me mm-hmm. but the the little bits you know the character moments and the the twists and turns and the the individual jokes Mm -hmm. uh were the things that i didn't really know uh but the the broad strokes of the the story i had already
0: known i mean considering we had this movie and we had um lilo and stitch being those that move those movies that you kind of missed watching the first time around i'm wondering uh what else from that what else from the 2001 2002 era uh would be missing from your uh from your library there
1: yeah i i kind of missed a lot of the the disney pixar stuff uh at that point in my life uh you know just real life Uh, reasons for that so i i kind of missed broad swaths of of disney pixar um at that point but it's it's kind of good uh i i always should have gone back and and watched it i don't know why i never did but it's good to have the excuse to go back and watch it now
0: yeah uh monsters inc was the third highest grossing film of 2001 And uh, was nominated for the first ever Best Animated Feature Oscar. Uh, Lost to Shrek. Fair,
1: fair, fair on that one. Uh, Shrek was such a dominating thing in the culture. Still is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even to this day.
1: Eventually, Disney will buy that too.
0: (laughs) Disney will rule the world.
1: It'll just be. And be like, well, you know, now Shrek land at Disney.
0: They'll buy Universal, too, and that'll be annexed into the Walt Disney World Resort.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So a little bit of a note, this is the first. This is the directorial debut of uh, Pete Doctor, who would go on to direct other uh, Pixar movies up inside out soul all great animated movies and this was kind of like the first one he ever got to do i can kind of see
1: where some of those later ones come from Mm -hmm. it's a good first outing for him Mm -hmm. so uh definitely an interesting uh first take in the the pixar kind of realm for him.
0: So let's kind of just get into our 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 featured players who's in this movie.
1: Uh well, we've got uh John Goodman leading us off as Sully. Legendary
0: our, our, actor John Goodman.
1: Yeah, who's had a great renaissance here lately. I mean, not that he ever really went away, but man, he is really just Doing banger lately
0: And a lot of Disney connections uh, Roseanne the Connors uh, Emperor's New Groove
1: Princess and the Frog Was probably the last time we talked about him Because mm-hmm. um, he was Big Daddy mm. uh, in, in that one So probably last time we, we got to talk about him And of course he uh, did take over the character of Baloo when they did jungle book two lately. Like you said, you know, he's got the, the Connors going now, which is the continuation offshoot, whatever you want to call it of Roseanne. Um, that is doing very well for ABC at the moment. Um, and then over on HBO, he's got the righteous gemstones, Ooh. Uh, which is an excellent, excellent series. Um, and they just did uh, the episode that just aired most recently as we're recording this was a episode that was completely set in the, the past of the show in, in the 80s. And they had to do that de-aging thing, you know, that Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> really creepy de-aging thing You know
0: mm.
1: uh, That whole like uh, You know Captain Marvel Hey it's the 80s and we need Samuel L. Jackson To look like his 80s Nick Fury
0: Which is really weird Because John Goodman has lost A lot of weight because in the 80s John Goodman was a really big dude And modern John Goodman Well not skinny he's definitely slend- more slender Than he would was in, in the 80s
1: uh, yeah, I mean, they kept him the, the same size, but it was, you know, they they kind of, you know, de-aged his face in that mm. same manner. Um, and, uh, ooh, that technology's getting creepy good. I, I mean, really creepy good. There were moments that you were forgetting, and you and you kind of... Cause we all know what John Goodman looked like in the eighties. You know, it's like, we have have that footage and at the, at the moment you're like, wow, it's John Goodman in the eighties, but he's like the size he is now, you know, like he just said he, he was a a larger size then, but it's like his face then on his body now, and it's a little bit trippy uh so yeah um but man it's just he is he is just killing it on both of those shows um two two extremely different characters and he is just nailing them both uh so yeah loving it um and then of course you know in in this in this film completely completely different vibe Entirely, because he's just goofy and lovable and, you know, really, really great. And then, of course, you got Billy Crystal playing Mike, you know, his. Mike Wazowski. Yeah, Mike Wazowski is, is the.
0: Billy Crystal's Billy Crystal. He's a legend.
1: Yeah, well, I was trying to think of how to describe Mike. It's like. Partner on the scare floor or whatever coach yeah i think they do call him a coach at some point uh like
0: like each yeah he stays, he
1: stays on the floor and takes care of the more technical end when sully goes into the human world to scare kids but yeah they're roommates but also they are coworkers, and yeah but, yeah, when did we last talk about Billy Crystal? Cause,
0: uh, the Princess Bride, I believe.
1: Yeah, Princess Bride, I think, was the last time we we talked about him. But, you know, yeah, legend. But then we got our, our kind of main villain of the piece, Randall, the little chameleon-y, lizard monster. And then it's Steve Buscemi, because who doesn't love a Steve Buscemi, you know? The original, hey, it's that guy. Yeah, the original, like, oh, it's that dude with the face and the eyes and the yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I don't I don't know. I mean, what do, what do you say about Steve Buscemi? You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, do Reservoir Dogs, much. I'm trying to think of like when I first saw him. I can't remember if it was, like, in Coen Brothers or Tarantino. Probably, probably maybe Fargo for me. And then, or maybe, like, Hudsucker Proxy. Probably one of those two was when I first saw him, personally. And then maybe Reservoir Dogs right after that. Shortly followed by Armageddon, maybe, I I, guess.
0: I first saw him in the Adventures of Pete and Pete.
1: Oh, yeah, he he did he did have that run in Pete and Pete. You're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't I I kind of popped in and out of Pete and Pete though, so I wasn't quite as big a Pete and Pete fan. So it probably was.
0: But Pete and Pete was the same year as Reservoir Dogs.
1: Yeah, but but I was such a, like, weirdo, sort of bizarre art film kid. Mm. Like, that, that was me as a kid. <laughs> so the fact that I probably would have been like, hello, child appropriate enough to watch Pete and Pete. When, when did you first run into Steve Buscemi? In a Coen Brothers film, like that would have been me as a child. <laughs> and, I'm uh, not gonna lie.
0: And <laughs> we were talking before we started recording. Uh, this is not the first time uh, Steve Buscemi has done a movie with John Goodman.
1: Yeah, no, they both of them were Coen Brothers regulars. Yeah, so okay. they they worked together in a couple of Coen Brothers films uh, before before this. I mean, they did. Um, Big Lebowski together. Both of them had done um, Barton Fink as well. Uh, so you know, it, it it was it was that kind of thing.
0: Buscemi has definitely made uh, animation a bit of a career because you know he's done uh, the Final Fantasy movies, but most recently the Hotel Transylvania movies.
1: Yeah, well, as as well as having that distinctive look, he does have a very distinctive voice.
0: Yeah. So um and of course the man is a meme. How do you do, fellow kids?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh and such a great sense of humor because uh he is really good friends now with Pete Davidson. Mm. Uh for a very kind of uh tragic and personal connection steve Buscemi was a was a firefighter before becoming an actor
0: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah i heard that
1: yeah and oh, he's uh, still a,
0: he's still pretty much a volunteer firefighter to this day
1: and, well yeah uh and when um well right right about the time of monsters inc actually but um when 9 11 happened he went and and volunteered um because you know they lost a lot of men that day and they needed uh people to help Mm. uh in the in the aftermath and steve just walked down there and picked up some equipment and just started working um and uh pete davidson for those that don't know his father was a firefighter and was one of the men killed that day. Uh,
0: Davidson would eventually make a movie kind of about that.
1: Yeah, in which Steve Buscemi appears. Um, and uh.
0: King of Staten Island, yeah.
1: Yeah, King of Staten Island is is the film. Um, and it's uh quite a uh kind of special connection. Uh, Between them, and because of that, they've they've done a lot of kind of just weird comedy bits, (laughs) Uh, the two of them, and they've become kind of good friends. Um, But also, Steve Buscemi just has a really interesting sense of humor himself, and always always has. Um, And so the fact that he does all these kind of weird, um, you know. Uh, animation of voiceovers and things like Pete and Pete and stuff like that, even back in the day, um, is kind of not surprising to me, uh, because he's always had this kind of, uh, strange off kilter kind of sense of humor, which is probably why he ended up in like Coen brothers films and stuff. So. Yeah, uh, very, very interesting man and uh, very interesting career, um, but it plays a, a really good uh, villain. Uh, yeah,
0: he definitely had that villainous voice.
1: Yeah, really, really interesting character in this in this film. Um, speaking of our other villain, we've got absolute stone cold legend James Coburn uh in in one of his final roles actually this would be kind of at the at the end of his career but james coburn was uh mostly known for being in westerns or uh a lot of kind of action drama thriller kind of films for the beginning of his career, um, things like Magnificent Seven or The Great Escape. Later on as as in as a uh, a lot of these types of of actors do, kind of he had a bit more uh joking sense of his own <laughs> his own um persona. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he did things like I think the last time we talked about him was his his cameo in the Muppet movie mm-hmm. where he was the um, El Slizo cafe owner <laughs> where he kind of played into that uh, sort of Western tough guy kind of persona there. But then you get stuff like this you know where towards the end of his career he's just having fun with it yeah and he's playing the um water noose the the owner of the company and he's you know he's like the father figure to sully but you know he's he's also got that villainous edge to him you know you want to wrap up a 40 plus year career of playing these tough guys and everything, you know? That's maybe how you do it. Moving on, we've got Mike's girlfriend, his love interest for the movie, Celia May, played by the absolutely adorable Jennifer
0: Tilly. This is the one that shocked me because I had no idea she was in this movie. And she just has a such a distinct voice, and uh we were talking about this before we started recording how that is essentially a character voice she does. It's the only character voice she does, but it's she does it in every role,
1: yeah, i mean it it's not it's not really her her the
0: default voice
1: her default voice um you can. Yeah, you can hear her uh, depending on d- what kind of interview she's giving. You can you can hear her normal speaking voice sometimes. Yeah, Jennifer Tilly is fascinating because um, you know she's she does a lot of uh, animation voiceover work. Um,
0: family Guy, yeah.
1: Yeah, Family Guy especially, but uh, you know other things as well. And then of course she's got the the scream queen background uh especially the the chucky series yeah. the uh you know stuff like bound uh which you know that that counts too she's also just like a ferocious poker player i was gonna mention the poker player she's yeah a pro. She's a pro. i mean yeah absolutely um they've worked they've worked that into the chucky series now, you know. the her her poker background. it it's so fascinating to uh, watch her. if you have a chance, uh if you if you don't follow her on twitter, she's a great follow. i i absolutely adore her. i could just gush about her for you know just like a whole episode. This is now a Jennifer Tilly episode. We're not going to talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> this is going this could be like when we talked about like Clark Gregg or something. It's just gonna be like, screw it, we're not talking about the movie anymore. This is just an actor I like. <laughs> no but yeah it was it was so cool to hear her in this movie because i i did not expect that at all it was just one of those like wait a minute is that jennifer tilly yay (laughs) moving on before i get caught too much in the weeds about jennifer tilly (laughs) um uh some of our some of our returning uh casts that are in a lot of these pixar films of course we've got john ratzenberger uh, who is in
0: basically every Pixar film? We, t- uh, you know, we talked about Alan Tudyk kind of becoming Disney Animation's good luck charm. Ratzenberger was always Pixar's good luck charm.
1: Yep. Um. So he's in here as the Yeti that that we meet. The one that kind of shocked me because I didn't expect him in here. We've got a wonderful appearance by Frank Oz.
0: Yeah. I mean, we just mentioned the Muppet movie, so yeah.
1: Yeah um he is uh the uh fungus the little uh, assistant to uh randall we have another kind of regular for pixar bonnie hunt uh as the uh trainer that you see at the beginning of the movie and a couple of times throughout but she uh i think we last talked about her when we did zootopia um we talked about her in a bug's life as well we get jim cummings back in a quick little you know stop paying attention and you'll miss it role and we've got uh lorraine newman from saturday night live uh in here as the uh the daycare worker that uh picks
0: up boo at one point Yep, yeah, but the little other little monster kids and She's never given a name in the movie, but apparently uh, in a comic book, her, her name is Miss Nesbit. I think you've had enough tea for today. Let's get you out of here, Buzz. Don't you get it? You see the hat? I am Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> <laughs> Snap out of it, Buzz.
1: And then uh, we've got... Uh... Roz, who is uh, played by uh, Bob Peterson.
0: A regular uh, Pixar animator.
1: Yeah, um, who uh, does does occasional uh, voices as well, so yeah.
0: One final one before we get going, and that is the voice of Boo herself. Mary Gibbs, who is the daughter of a Pixar animator, Rob Gibbs, which is how she got the role. She also, uh, her other, notable Pixar role is that she is the voice of Baby Riley in Inside Out. She did while they were filming, uh, making the movie. They had her draw some pictures. All of the little pictures you see Boo draw in the movie was actually drawn by Mary Gibbs. And a lot of them are signed by her. With her name, Mary. And they have actually made this canonical. Boo's real name is Mary after Mary Gibbs
1: uh there is one uh non-cast member person we kind of want to shout out uh just for just for fun because we always like mentioning our magiswords people uh one of the uh story artists on the movie uh is a guy named ken Matroni, and uh he would later go on to work on mighty magiswords our favorite non-disney owned show yet uh and uh he would later do work on mighty magic swords including uh doing some voices including the voice of mr pachydermis so yeah uh hi ken you'll never listen to this but hi ken <laughs> uh yeah so that is
0: uh that was cool it was cool to see his name yeah it's early work yeah So uh, let's get into this movie. So we have a world. Well, as the Pixar formula goes, what if blank had feelings? What if the monster in your closet had feelings? So we have the world of Monstropolis, a world inhabited all of monsters and their power source are the screams of children. So the monsters go into the human world through the closet door scare the children and collect the energy from the scream and that powers their world every little bit of electricity anything that runs on power is run by the power of screams
1: yeah so all of their light bulbs and
0: their car fuel and their yeah just basically everything yeah, everything is run on screen power and the the there has seemingly is an energy crisis in the monster world because children are not getting as scared as they used to or at least it's outgrowing the monster in the closet fairly quickly.
1: The children's yeah. time of innocence is shortening and that means that their time when they get scared by the idea of a monster in the closet is growing shorter and shorter and that means that they're able to harvest screams in a a shorter time for each children each child excuse me
0: one uh one note they have here is that one monster is saying she wasn't scared from the scared she's five so it's like so yeah there is a with less children with children being scared of the monster in the closet less and less there's less energy in the monster world having. So people are trying to ration their energy sources and there we see a newspaper that says rolling blackouts are scheduled throughout the monster world to conserve energy. So there's yeah, a Mike,
1: Mike and Sully have to walk to work instead of taking Mike's
0: car. Which he's not very happy to, cause he just bought that thing.
1: Yeah. It's a sweet ride. I want to take my sweet ride into work, you know?
0: There's a funny uh it's not on Disney Plus, unfortunately, but there is a uh short called Mike's New Car, which uh kind of shows the show where it's Mike showing off all the stuff his car can do, and it just blows up in his face, and it's very, very hilarious. If you can find it, do please watch it.
1: Yeah, but, the, the other the other part of this equation is that the idea is that children and Anything a child has touched in the human world is considered to be toxic and potentially deadly if it makes it back to the monster world. So any article of their clothing or any, a toy or anything, and or especially phys- a child themselves.
0: Yeah, physical touches see as a big no-no in the monster world.
1: Yeah, so if if they were to come back through the door, you know, it's and we we see that with one monster getting a sock stuck to their fur, and then they have to be decontaminated. Twenty
0: three nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> that poor monster goes through hell this entire movie. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps getting piled on, poor thing. But yeah, I mean, these monsters are taught essentially from childhood that children are dangerous, that if you touch a child, you will die. Things from the human world cannot touch a monster, and things from the human world cannot enter the monster world because bad things will happen.
1: Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, though, is we do see that at least part of this does seem to be true in the fact of the scares part of it. The the innocence window shrinking or whatever Mm -hmm. Might actually be true
0: I mean, I think that's a commentary on the world at the time As, you know, uh, I mean, it's always There's always going to be people saying Oh, kids playing video games are ruining their their innocence Or they watch these movies and it's going to take away this And someone working on this movie I think that was a commentary on that
1: yeah, well, the the reason I say that is because when Boo arrives, she is not at all scared by anything except Randall. Nothing else she comes into contact with in the entire monster world scares her in the slightest.
0: She looks at Sully and goes, Kitty! Which, going since uh, we have talked about this on, on the show before, is that that is you. You will see oh, this yeah, big early totally. horn monster and you will say knowing you you will say puppy.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's like well. No, I'd probably just be like fuzzy. <laughs> I want to touch it. <laughs> uh, they um there recently was a was a thing where I, I can't remember which state it was like Ohio or something. their their state wildlife thing sent out a a whole thing about like if you see a wild bobcat don't pet it on twitter (laughs) and everyone sent back tweets like no 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 if i see a bobcat i'm totally petting that thing dude you are not stopping me if i die what a way to
0: go don't Uh, pet the murder kitty
1: (laughs) yeah and and I just, this is just my my blanket statement to the internet. Yes, thank you for sending me this tweet thread. I have seen this tweet thread. Thank you, every single person on the internet. You have all sent me this tweet thread by by now with the message, Hey, look, Kiki, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Because literally I woke up within hours of this tweet thread happening to every single person on the internet having sent me this tweet thread being like, hey, look, Yiggy, this is you, this is you. You're gonna pet a bobcat, and die. Yes, Oklahoma. I
0: know. I believe it's uh, Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, it's, it was something, it was, it was one of those states. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, the point being, yes, I know I'm going to die petting something that I shouldn't pet. We, we've already established this, it is fact. Yeah, no, that was totally me. I I, I totally related to Boo in that moment. I was like, yeah, no, no, I'd I just open a random door one day, find an entire world of monsters, and be like, some of them are fuzzy. I'm going to wander in and pet them. Also, that one over there has adorable snake hair. I want to braid it. Can I braid your snake hair? <laughs> Please let me braid your <laughs> snake hair, Jennifer Tilly monster. <laughs> Also, Uh, did you know you sound like Jennifer Tilly? Can I go out on a date with you?
0: Honestly, I mean, I, I, and, and I do love uh, the little conversations that, that Mike and, and Celia have at the restaurants that, yeah, when I first met you, your hair was shorter than, oh, do you think I should cut it? And the snakes go, well, no, 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 don't cut it, don't cut it. I was us. immediately like, what
1: kind of, like, I get that you're, I was about to say, what kind of monster are you? And I was like, well, literally a monster, but uh, I was like, it's horrific. Don't be cutting the snake hair. Uh, also i love when she gets mad her hair rattles Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she gets mad at mike for say for like ignoring her in the restaurant and her hair starts rattling (laughs) oh my god it's just the funniest thing in the world to me i laughed so hard at that scene um No, I just, I love everything about that. My, the thing that sold me on this movie though, was right at the beginning where, you know, I was already, I was halfway there when, when he walks in and his girlfriend is a monster with snakes for hair and she is voiced by Jennifer Tilly. I was already like, okay, movie, you're almost there. I'm almost, I don't even care about anything else in this movie at this point. And then he was like, we're going out on a date. I got us reservations to your favorite restaurant, Harryhausen's. And I was like, and we're sold. I do not care about anything else in this movie. This movie is perfect. Your girlfriend is Jennifer Tilly's snake hair monster. And you're taking her to a restaurant called Harry Harryhausen's. Yes! This is all my things! I love you you movie! This is my new favorite movie! (laughs) Do you want to explain the joke? (laughs) Oh my goodness, okay. So, Ray Harryhausen is, like, the best. He was a special effects artist. He is best known for being the stop-motion master for films like the original Clash of the Titans, so i i actually got to meet ray harryhausen in my life and it is one of the best things ever um i got to sit and watch him talk about his work and and all that kind of stuff it's it's a great memory for me i i'm such an admirer of of him and the fact that one of his great creations was medusa the snake-haired monster woman in clash of the titans
0: Uh, and here we are with a snake-haired monster woman
1: (laughs) and here he is taking a snake-haired monster woman to a restaurant named perry harryhausen i mean it's just oh it's just a million chef kisses i i love you i love this movie i love that joke perfect don't change a thing so yeah it was uh, and then it's a sushi restaurant Which is like one of my favorite things in the world So I, I pl- please take me to the restaurant Harry Harryhausen's Preferably with Jennifer Tilly uh, <laughs> the, the, they, Depending
0: uh, if someone gets to call you Schmoozy Poo or not
1: No, no one ever gets to call me that <laughs> I will feed you to a snake And then it will pet that snake And call him Schmoozy Poo <laughs> Um but I, I I immediately was sold on the movie. At that point in the movie, I'm like, I don't care what else happens in this movie. This
0: movie is perfect. I want to talk a little bit about the scare floor, about how this works. Because there's a there's like a whole video screen about, you know, datelines and where they are, because it's just clearly in the morning of the monster world where they're going to work and they're going through the doors. And obviously this has to be at night in some because these kids need to be asleep and the monsters come in. They scare the kids in their sleep and they get out. So there's datelines of what time is night in this time zone and in this time zone and in this time zone. So wouldn't there have to be scares on the floor 24 hours a day? Shouldn't that always be open with like a, a day team and a night team coming in? to go to children's houses at any time of the day, but we see that the scare floor does close at some point. So it would apply that there are some places of the world that don't get monsters or am I overthinking it?
1: Well, I also overthought this because I mean, have you met me? Mm -hmm. But the thing to me about this, uh, was that i thought it was keyed to the individual doors their world has its own time flow Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and inside that they have times when they can trigger the actual doors so the doors that are keyed to this particular part of the human world we do that now you know
0: but we do see later in the movie when they go through the random doors and they get stuck in um in, in Himalayas that's still there's daylight yeah so who knows
1: yeah and and later when they're in like Paris or whatever there's mm-hmm. daylight my theory was that, was that it was their their flow of time is one thing and it may be a time dilation that is different than the human world.
0: Mm.
1: And so they have a certain period of time that they can access, you know, each each type of door. Mm. But I think that the real answer is, it's just a movie relax Uh, yeah
0: it's just a show but just relax
1: but um it's interesting to me in the sense of I think that the doors on the scare floor make more sense than we've discovered laughter is more powerful so we break into little children's Bedrooms at the end and do stand up comedy for them because I gotta tell you, that would scare me more than the monster in my closet jumps out and goes, because at least that makes sense to me.
0: I mean, you're sitting it, there you're as late. a
1: child, <laughs> yeah, as a child. My brain could have comprehended, okay, it's a nighttime, the monster in the closet is going to do a jump scare, and then I'm going to go back to sleep. That's just how it works at night. I, I get that. I understand that. That is a That is a concept. My brain does not comprehend... Okay, so I'm going to go to sleep for a little bit, and then I'm going to get woken up so Billy Crystal can come out and test his Type 5, and then I'm going to try to go back to sleep after that. No, no, that's not a thing that happens.
0: <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like... but at least at the end, hes they're going to kids that are not scared of monsters. Like the kid again. Yeah, the end but is just, now like, I'm
1: scared of stand-up comedy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm scared of the corner of my room turning into the laugh factory for a couple of minutes every night. <laughs> and that is a way bigger existential crisis than being like having to turn on the light in my closet for a few minutes every night before I go to bed. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just scared now that like some guy's going to pop out of my closet and be like, hey, how you doing tonight? So where are you from? Hey, how about that airline food? Right? Like that, that's now my greatest fear in life.
0: <laughs> and it'll still give them energy. Energy is energy.
1: Yeah, but try to explain that to a therapist.
0: I had the dream again. Yeah. Where where Billy Crystal is a one-eyed monster doing stand-up? Yes. Yeah.
1: What do you think it means, Doc? Well, I think you have father
0: issues. <laughs> Why does the monster sound like Billy Crystal? I don't know. <laughs> there was another guy that sounded like John Goodman for some reason. <laughs> The worst
1: ones of all are the nights when Steve Buscemi comes. <laughs> I live in terror of those nights. I, you know, it's just, for some reason they take this movie from like, okay, this is kind of a cute concept to like, now I'm, I'm living in some sort of really weird existential terror (laughs) is some sort of surrealist nightmare i cannot escape (laughs)
0: uh uh, where do we go from here i don't know (laughs) uh let's kind of talk about this the plan i guess because early in the movie we see randall's going after boo uh, throughout the first part of the movie, there is this world screamer record to scare the most children, no, the most children scared by a single scare, And the current record holder is Sully. Randall, uh, throughout the first part of the movie, he's saying, give me another door, give me another door, because he's trying to scare as many kids as possible to beat Sully's record. And he does for five seconds before Sully comes out of a slumber party. Yeah. But That was a lucky draw, though. <laughs> but then we meet Boo, and their original, uh, Sully and Mike's original idea, or their original thought is he's cheating. He's taking this child from the human world to scare her to get the world's scare record that way. But then we find out, oh, this plan is much worse and goes much higher.
1: This is both a very ingenious and extremely dark plan. Like, I'm kind of impressed that.
0: Pixar was allowed to do this? Because Maybe you we never of... see we never see the Scream Extractor actually used on a person. We just see it on Frank Oz Monster.
1: Yeah. Um but if you think about this for more than point five of a second, this is truly horrific.
0: So their plan is to kidnap children from the human world bring him into the Monsters, Inc. factory, strap him in, and have this device that will literally suck the Screams out of their body. And probably everything else. Because when we see the machine used on the Frank Oz monster, he literally loses all of the color of his body. Now, considering Scream is their power source, is it also their life force? well i mean i don't know maybe it is for monsters maybe
1: but um because screams are basically energy in that world Mm -hmm. you know they're basically electricity and you can say that a human body runs on electricity to some extent Mm Mhm. So if the monster world runs on screams, maybe monster bodies run on screams. You know, let let's not mince words here. This is basically a torture machine.
0: It is. You know, and we're they're doing this to children. Two very young children. Who is at least two years old in this movie? At least it's it's. Uh, there's some supplemental material that's lists her as two years old. So this is a toddler. This yeah. is still a baby.
1: Yeah, she doesn't have full language acquisition in this film. <laughs> yeah. So. And and we see, you know, Waternoose later saying, you know, he will kidnap thousands and thousands of children just to keep this world running. So it's fine. So. This is. An absolutely horrific plan. We almost see it enacted on Boo.
0: If it wasn't for Sully. Sully with the run-in for the save.
1: Yeah, and we we see how terrified she is in that moment as it's coming towards her, which is a really impactful moment. I'm starting in to wonder film. how much
0: I'm starting to wonder how much therapy Boo would need later in life with all of this.
1: Yeah, hopefully she thinks it's just a dream or something. The the thing is is that it's already you know, this world is already kind of built on an awful premise, an awful exploitative premise which slowly realizes over the course of the movie. Mm. You know, when he catches that footage of himself in mid-scream, you know, yeah. mid-growl. And he sees
0: what Boo would see, you know? Yeah, and it's, this seems to be the first time he's ever seen it from the child's point of view. And he's been doing this for however long.
1: Um,
0: And it is interesting
1: to see that he does realize the the exploitation and trauma from the other end like you can say like well you know the kids grow out of it and and whatever but we all are sort of built on the after effects of whatever weird childhood phobias we all had you know Mm mm-hmm Um, We've all got that one or two or 12, you know, little phobias we had as a kid that we never quite shook. Whether or not they're legitimate fears or not. Sully has that moment of realization like, oh, we've been preying on
0: that. To... Run our world, uh, or to
1: convenience our world. You know, there's there's nothing that says their world necessarily needs this form of power. And we
0: find out later that they kind of don't. But... They kind
1: of don't. You know, but it there might have been some native form of power
0: that we don't know
1: about. We don't know everything about this world. Um we just know that this one company has a monopoly and has told everybody that this is the the form of power it is fascinating to see him have that kind of moment of clarity Mm -hmm. and to decide to do something about it it is it is in my power to do something about it and so i will which is the more important thing Mm -hmm not just that you suddenly realize what's going on but you realize what's going on and now you will do something about it
0: yeah knowing full well that it could doom the company knowing full well that the energy crisis is not going to get better but it's still the right thing to do
1: yeah and it's gonna cost him a lot i mean he is the star of this company
0: Yep, the a, man
1: who runs the company is his father figure,
0: basically. He's been the employee of the month forever.
1: Yeah. So um, it, it's, it's his roommate. It's gonna yeah. cost him his
0: job as well. Almost cost him his life. I mean, like he even mentions it. Hey, I will never see the woman I love ever again because of you.
1: He doesn't realize at the moment it will get them exiled to the human world, but it does. I, I mean, let's talk about that moment where they get exiled to the human world, because that's kind of a an
0: interesting moment. And they've mentioned, and they do mention other monsters that have been exiled to the human world. Uh, obviously, we have the yeti. They mentioned Bigfoot. So it's assumed that it, it's assumed that all of the monsters that we see in our world are banished monsters from the monster world. Yeah, so all can, cryptozoology is just monsters from their world that have been banished. So Nessie and the Chupacabra and... Mothman! Baba Yaga. <laughs> yeah. All of them were monsters that for one reason or another were banished to the human world. And I wish we could have seen that movie. I will talk more about that in a minute once we get through this, but that's a movie I want to see. I want to see a Monsters, Inc. movie about the monsters that were banished into the human world and what they're doing.
1: Yeah, that would be cool. Um, I I like that they based this on the Rankin Bass Abominable Snowman. So... Uh, you know, we, we get our John Ratzenberger as we said.
0: With yellow um, snow.
1: Yeah, the, it's just lemon. <laughs>
0: uh that's the only way they can get away with a yellow snow joke in a Disney movie.
1: Yeah. But I like how he's got like all the lingenberry jam crates. <laughs> 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 um but I I do like how friendly he is. Like, oh, just more monsters. Yay. Mike is rightfully upset. But at the same time, you know, Sully is trying to do the right thing here. And maybe you can
0: fault his method of trying to do the right thing. It's from uh, from Mike's point of view, is that like, yeah, Sully's doing the right thing, but in He's not really thinking of anyone else but Boo. But he does not, he's not thinking of what this affects. Like the, he doesn't think of what affects Mike. Again, Mike is now banished to the human world. He will never see his family and he will never see the woman he loves ever again because of Sully's actions. The power, the energy source of the monster world is in was in danger because of Sully's actions the way of life of the monster world is in is in jeopardy because of Sully's actions their friendship is now in jeopardy because of Sully's actions because he said you know it's like you know you're not thinking of anyone but yourself now granted this is uh Mike talking from a a a a bit of rage a bit of a, anger But he makes a point.
1: I think Mike's biggest point is that Sully doesn't listen to him. Yeah. And he is right in that Sully hasn't been listening to him for at least part of the movie. I think at the beginning of the movie.
0: Since Boo gets involved mostly.
1: Yeah, I think at the beginning of the movie, Sully was a bit more attentive uh much more than Mike was the table's kind of turn uh Mike ignores Sully for the beginning part of the movie and then once Boo enters the picture it does kind of shift um but there there does need to be more communication between the two of them the interesting thing to me is that Sully realizes there's a way to return and he immediately is like, "Okay, I've realized we've got a way back in. Let's go take it." And Mike's like, "Nope, stay in here. It,
0: why, dude? Well, he mentions like that there's a blizzard out there. It is a three day excursion to the to the village. It is a blizzard, and if they go out there, they will freeze to death. at least Sully has fur. Mike does not. <laughs> Okay, yeah, but yeah, uh, At
1: least try to get back to your own world And if things go south Then use your buddy as a tauntaun
0: I don't want to see so, uh, Mike <laughs> kind of slice I don't want to see that happen
1: <laughs> Then you and I are very different people
0: I think the shocking moment of that Is that Mike says, hey, if If you're willing to throw everything away for this kid, go ahead. I'm not going to go with you. And then and then Sully leaves. Like Mike is there all alone. Because Mike did exactly what Sully said. Hey, If you care, if you think this this girl is more important than anything else, go ahead. And that's what Sully does.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, though, but like, you know. I'm I'm not super keen on children, but it's a child, Mike. Come on. Yeah, it, it is a child in danger.
0: This child is about to have the literal life sucked out of her body by your boss. Yeah, I mean, what is wrong with you, Mike? But he does come back eventually. Yeah, but how he still... got there, we don't know, but he got there.
1: I mean, presumably the same way, but just slightly later. Mm-hmm.
0: And, of course, leads to this great scene of them riding the doors throughout all of Monsters, Inc. It's a beautifully animated scene. And, yeah, like I said, they go through different parts of the world where it is daytime, it's not nighttime. and
1: Yeah. This this was, at the time, like, the, uh, that door... You know, that that door room uh, with all the doors on conveyor belts, I think was at the time the most complex set piece that Pixar had ever put together.
0: They also had to make a completely new animation program for the fur on Sully.
1: Yeah, and I got to tell you, it holds up. Yeah, I- it's not quite as good as uh as what they can do today, of course, because mm-hmm. they've been upping the technology over the 20 years since this movie came out, but mm-hmm. um it still looks pretty good uh for 20-year-old computer animation, which is impressive. Yeah. Some of the other bits of the the animation do not look that that good but uh the fur looks really good
0: and you know uh, let's get back to what you said to that scene at the end there where water Noose admits he will kidnap a thousand children just to keep the world going and apparently the uh the cda this this government facility that looks like freaking aim from marvel Uh, have apparently been having an investigation into Monsters, Inc. for a while. Apparently, this is a plan that's been going on for quite a while. Two and a half years, apparently. Yeah, and Roz has been undercover, yeah. Roz has been working with Monsters, Inc. for two and a half years, working undercover, trying to figure out what this plan is. And the, to find out that it goes all the way to the top, and so they arrest Water News after the amendment, and then Water News straight up says, you know, the you know the energy crisis will continue. We're gonna lose out, and we're gonna lose everything. The world, the monster world, is it's gonna be in danger because of you, because you decided to save this one child. And from his perspective it's fine. He he is right in that perspective. From his per- perspective the only thing that can power the monster world is the screams of children. With that gone, what do you do? And even uh, Mike mentions it, you know, hey, uh we saved Boo, we uncovered the conspiracy, but now the company's going to get shut down. All of these people are going to be out of work. We're going to have no power. But we had a few laughs, didn't we, buddy? Which is enough, which gives Sully the idea. Now Sully is the guy in charge of uh, Monsters, Inc. And switches it from using scream power to using laugh power. As we find out throughout the course of the film, as Boo's laughter... While his, while her scream can power one room, her laugh powers the entire apartment complex that Sully and Mike live in, and a few of the apartment complexes down the street. Yeah, her laugh is enough to power every door in the Monsters Inc. vault. So, so that's and, and then we, of course we get the the Billy Crystal in your room doing stand up. <laughs>
1: The scariest scene in the film. <laughs> I, I do want to mention, uh, of course, the, the bit where we find out what happens to to poor Randall. Not, I mean, he deserves it, of course. But, you know, where they shove up through the door into the trailer and they're like, look, a gator got in. <laughs> they just start beating the crap out of him. <laughs> um, the most interesting thing is that apparently that trailer had a closet.
0: Um apparently whoever works at that trailer works at Pizza Planet because we get that's where we get our Pizza Planet truck.
1: Yeah. Of course Boo's room contains the rest of the <laughs> the Pixar uh
0: Pixar characters. Uh, yeah. She has a she has the, a, a a a uh Jesse her name. Jesse doll
1: doll the ball with the star on it the yeah
0: Nemo Nemo this is um, actually the first appearance of Nemo because Finding Nemo wouldn't come out until the next year
1: yeah um and we get the uh famous Toy Story wallpaper earlier in the scene where Randall is practicing his uh chameleon uh changing ability mm-hmm. uh and they're pulling down the various backgrounds uh in the on the scare floor um and one of the one of the backgrounds they pull down is the uh the wallpaper yeah. with the uh the clouds uh so you know we we get the those little moments like that
0: um I do want to talk about a little bit of of that scene where they say goodbye to Boo and, you know, Boo comes in here and she's happy to see her room. She pulls Sully in there. and She starts giving him all of her toys, as little kids tend to do.
1: Yeah, look at the things I have.
0: And we have this big. Big, sad goodbye moment. Where she goes, Kitty, Kitty's got to go away now. I mean, it's a nice little scene. And of course, we get the. The meme of uh, Boo hugging Sully that everybody uses. Yeah. It's such a nice, it's, it's a sad scene, but it's also a beautiful scene. And we see that Mike has painstakingly taken the broken door of Boo and piece by piece, splinter by splinter, has put the entire door back together. That must have taken a long time and a lot of patience to do.
1: How did he get all of that debris?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then we get, and we get that 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 scene at the end where he goes to the booze store and she goes, "Kitty, it's a beautiful ending." <laughs> yeah. And that's Monsters Incorporated. So. There, we did get eventually get a prequel. There was Monsters, Universe, uh, Monsters University, which came out, what, t- 12 years after? 10, 12 years after this movie did? But there was another planned sequel that kind of never happened. So, when it, when it, when there was a point where Pixar was going to separate itself from Disney. This was uh, the uh, the one of the main triggers that was that got people to push uh uh Michael Eisner out, bring Bob Iger in. And uh since they since Disney owned the characters, uh Eisner decided, well, we don't need Pixar, we'll just create our own animation studio that is specifically tailored to make sequels to these Pixar movies that we own and that became circle seven studios and circle seven studios was in charge to do three sequels off the bat toy story three finding nemo two and monsters incorporated lost in Scaradice. uh there's a whole video on it if you want to go and find it of uh people who worked with Circle 7 at the time who uh just told, you know, told their story, told what their original idea of what this movie was going to be. The short version is that Boo and Sully were going to go back into the human world. It was Boo's birthday. They wanted to visit her for her birthday. She is not there. And they go all over the country trying to find where Boo is, along the way, meeting up with other monsters that have been banished from the monster world by Water Noose. Which I just said, I want to see that movie. And we're never gonna see that movie. Because then Iger comes in, he buys Pixar, Circle 7 Studios is shut down, and none of those movies happen. Oh, there's a Toy Story 3, but not the Toy Story 3 that Circle 7 was working on. There's a Monsters, Inc. sequel, but not the one that Circle 7 was working on. We got a second Finding Nemo movie, but not the one that Circle 7 was working on.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it does sound like it would have been a great idea. It, it is kind of sad when things
0: like that fall through. Yeah. But, um, so that's... Yo, know, that's my that's my little soapbox moment of the of the episode there. So Kiki, since this was the first time that you have seen this movie, what did you think?
1: I really liked it. Um it will not go down as my favorite Pixar movie. I mean it it just already, but it it won't go down as my least favorite either.
0: I know. know what that one is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we do. Um, but I, I was surprised that I, I liked it more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of thought, oh, I, I already know everything about this movie and, and, uh, and then there were a lot of things in it that I was like, oh, you know it yay i think where it suffers was more in the um in the fact that it was still 2001 and there were some things they were still trying to get right about the cgi mm. you know it still has some of that stuff that was a problem with the early toy story you know
0: yeah, Pixar are trying to make humans look human. They still yeah. That, they still had that plasticky look, which is kind of why they focused more on non-human characters for their first few films—toys, bugs, monsters, fish.
1: You know, it's—it was very easy to see why the monsters were terrified of little children because when the little children come on screen, you're like, God, ah, that—that really does look awful. <laughs> That's a terrifying creature Yeah, because all the monsters Look adorable And then whenever you see A child on screen, you're like Oh, that's horrifying No, no Do not want There's One Randy Newman song
0: If I didn't have you Which was the uh, the intro music We heard They slow it down And they put some lyrics over it And we get uh, John Goodman and Billy Crystal singing this friendship song If I didn't have you
1: Yeah so it was I'm I'm glad it was the one song I'm mm. glad it was the lead Singing it I'm glad it was over the end credits So that was a bonus mm. Didn't interrupt The flow of the movie So definitely bonus points for that I don't know I think there were moments When the story felt like it lagged a little bit.
0: Hmm. You know, I mean, this I, is, I felt, this is a 90 minute movie and yeah, it does feel like a few minutes if it gets, gets dragged. Um, you know, there were, there were some
1: times when I thought it could be punched up a little bit, you know, maybe like, you know, we could have put some jokes in there, had a, a bit of, you know, slapstick or, you know, a chase scene or something, you know, mm-hmm. just something to, to pep it up a little bit. But overall uh you know it was a really good effort and again this was still kind of early in the pixar formula mm-hmm. uh and they were working out a a lot of some of the the kinks in the formula i think but i enjoyed this one a lot more than i thought i would i think i always thought like oh you know there there had to have been a reason i skipped this one but Probably not. I think it was just like, you know, real life reasons at the time, and then I just laziness never got around to it. Really liked Jennifer Tilly, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One thing about this movie that I'm sad is not, I mentioned the short, but there's also one other thing in this movie. This movie doesn't have the outtakes. The version on Disney Plus does not have the outtakes. Now, we've mentioned how, you know, Bugs Life in the credits, there are outtakes. In Toy Story 2, there are the outtakes. There is an outtake reel for Monsters, Inc., but it's not on Disney Plus. Now, it's not on the extras, and it's not during the credits. But it is very funny. it's very good, It, but it also includes the complete musical that Sully and Mike were talking about in the movie. Put that thing back where it came from, oh, so help me, so help me, so help me, goodbye. Put that thing back where it came from, or oh, so help me, so help me! Put that thing where it came from, or oh, so help me!
1: <laughs> oh, I do, I want to see that, I feel cheated now.
0: It's probably out there in, in, in the YouTube-verse or whatever, but yeah, yes. Yeah,
1: I'm sure I can find it now that I know it exists, but Disney Plus, what are you doing to me? Put that up on the
0: site, ugh. At least put it in the extras tab, so you can yeah. see the outtakes. So let's ask the question here. Does Monsters Incorporated have the magic? Kiki.
1: Yes.
0: I am also going to say yes. The fur animation still holds up. Uh, I still think the story holds up. Still very good. Uh, it's a classic to me. So yes, magic.
1: Yeah, one one I will watch again. Now that I've mm-hmm. seen it, I, it, w- it will definitely be one that I, I will watch again in the future.
0: Kiki, next week is
1: Valentine's Day. Uh, well, it's bound to happen every year, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So let's do a love story next week for Valentine's Day. One of the classic Disney love stories, Lady and the Tramp. We're going old school, Disney. Yes, and it'll be a Bella Oh, uh, So yes, come back next week. For Lady and the Tramp, and we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at RewatchingTheMagic. the Magic, Twitter at Rewatch the Magic, and of course, new episodes every week at Rewatching the Magic. Podbean. Com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.